Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. We have been addressing the concept of attachment styles and how they relate to dating and relationships. And the recent episode with Elliot Anderson has been one of your favorites. So thanks so much for joining us in that conversation. And we got a lot of feedback suggesting that you would like to hear more. And since we covered anxious attachment, you asked us to speak about avoidant attachment, which makes sense because so often if you are finding yourself to have an anxious attachment style in relationships, sadly, oftentimes you're chasing after an avoidant individual and struggling with that push and pull. So Elliot, welcome back to the program. And we are so pleased to have you share what you've learned over your many years of counseling couples about the avoidant attachment style. Glad to be back, Karen, and fun to address this topic. And uh, I do deal with avoidant attachment as much or more than anxious attachment because avoidant attachment is more the masculine side if there is a gender representation. And since I deal with more men than women, I talk through that with many, many men in my practice. So that's the first specificity about avoidant attachment. Not that it doesn't happen to a woman, but it's not going to likely be a woman who has the avoidance to that bond, that intimacy, that attachment by her nature. Mm-hmm. because of the nurturing uh, emphasis and just the natural empathy a woman has, the connection in her brain, right side, left side. So if a woman has that avoidant attachment, I see it more based on trauma mm-hmm. or previous experiences of significant abandonment, mm-hmm. uh, abuse, things of that nature. For a man, not only do many men have that left brain, stoic, non-emotive personality, but if they've had attachments in their primary caregivers or with previous relationships where they felt it wasn't safe, Mm -hmm. or when they did give their emotions or express, they were laughed at or ridiculed or emasculated in some capacity. Many men will just get into a pattern of avoidant attachment based on personality, temperament, introversion that isn't always about, hey, I don't love this woman or I don't like this woman or I don't want to connect or commit to her. Yeah, it, it strikes me that for men, I'm wondering, and you tell me, do they sometimes not trust their ability to commit, maybe because they're not sure they can do so. Also, maybe they don't trust their own ability to have a deep, intimate, emotional connection. That seems scary. It seems foreign to them. So twofold, maybe one, they're like, I don't know if I'm ready to settle down. And that causes them to be a bit avoidant. And then the other element is, and if I do settle down, can I really give her the emotional intimacy she's craving? Yeah, there's kind of a paradox with many men who have this avoidant attachment style. They have idealism and romantic notion for this super relationship. And that's why they often present different than they are. Mm-hmm. This one's going to be the right one. This time it's going to be, you know, great. She seems so different than the other women. And then when she, if she's securely attached and just comes at him in a nice natural pace, the closer she gets, the more intimidating and scary it is to him, even if she's doing everything right. Mm-hmm. So that context of the avoidant personality, not just the avoidant attachment, is pretty significant. And one of the funny perspectives I have about avoidant attachment is it's kind of like saying it's an open, closed door. Mm -hmm. 
you you can't have a door closed and also be open. So you can't truly be attached and also be avoidant of that attachment. Where I think anxious attachment is a little more securely attached than an avoidant attachment because it can be closed, but maybe it shakes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some loose parts to the door or something mm-hmm. in the knob that makes it a little bit vulnerable where the avoidant is really not truly attached. And I think that's what gets that chase pursue dance going mm-hmm. that he presented in a way that seemed like I'm all in. I'd like to do this. You're great. You're different than every other woman I've married or, or I've dated or I've been involved with shows that fullness, that vulnerability, and then recognizing, oh my goodness, it's out there. It's not mm-hmm. safe. Even if she's safe. This isn't safe. I don't trust myself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can give her what she needs. She's got so much going on. She's so powerful and wonderful and sweet and beautiful. In that introspection and self condemnation, he reacts in a way that's like the opposite of what he probably truly wants. Mm-hmm. You spoke to the idea of maybe he presents initially as more motivated for attachment. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying, avoid an attachment. It's almost a contradiction in terms. But initially he may present that way and maybe he's kind of hyped himself up like, yeah, this time I really think I can do it. This girl seems like the one that I could really connect with and and yeah, commit to. But then he gets into it and those feelings of fear maybe overwhelm him and then he starts to pull back and that distancer, pursuer dynamic that we speak to is one of the many relationship dynamics that we see can kick in. This is an important thing I want your listeners to hear since so many of them are women who have been hurt by this avoidant attachment male. It's really not about them. Mm -hmm. It's about him. But it gets so confusing because people who have avoidant attachment will give you what they think you need and what they kind of want and then pull back. Mm -hmm. That date was great. We had an awesome time kiss goodnight, sleep goodnight, whatever it is, and then ghost you for two days. You're like, what in the world's right. going on? It's just this this back and forth. And so the woman, of course, says, well, I did something wrong. I came on too strong. I, and it's rarely about her. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with many men who all the way up until marriage are still questioning themselves all the way through, even if they have a wonderful woman or they're engaged for nine years mm-hmm. or they've been engaged seven times and never can pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of guys with this avoidant attachment issue can have serial monogamy, that never gets to that final equation. And they Mm -hmm. always have that self-loathing, even if they project it onto the woman, they have that self-loathing piece. Mm -hmm. Also, many avoidant attachment men kind of have that created relationship, maybe even a marriage, but it doesn't mean they're just going to lose that avoidance tendency, that self-sufficiency, that independence, that I don't, even if they have a wonderful wife, I don't want that wife to give me more or need more Mm -hmm. or want more. I will provide, I'll care for her in certain aspects and community, et cetera, but I'm not necessarily going to dive in heart to heart and soul to soul and have all that emotional, mental language that so many women crave and are so naturally good at or have become good at. That's why when I referenced like the intimacy sheet I talked about, I brought one today and talked about all these different forms of intimacy. So it's not just sexual, physical intimacy, intellectual, aesthetic, creative, recreational, work, crisis, commitment spiritual, emotional, and even parental intimacy, especially if you have single mothers dating single fathers, that dynamic of the children on both sides or one side, whatever it is, is still going to be an enormous opportunity for intimacy or pain. And so if you have a man who's naturally avoidant and you can't get the verbal, emotional responses you want, sometimes the best thing to do with that guy, if you say, hey, I think this is still worth it, is to choose some other forms of intimacy instead of saying, why can't we just go out to coffee and talk for three hours? Yeah. (laughs) Well, he probably doesn't do that with anybody. 
So do a project together, take a trip together, uh, do things he loves together, be involved in those environmental different conditions of intimacy that might build up opportunities for a guy like that to all of a sudden share something, maybe deep, maybe profound, maybe simple, but maybe really important in a manner that he wouldn't do if he felt he had to get on the couch mm-hmm. and talk heart soul my, or come visit someone like me and have to share his feelings. So it sounds like you're saying that some men maybe have avoidant tendencies, whether they're full-blown avoidant attachment style or not. And that may just be the way they're wired. Absolutely. And they're not going to want to sit down and give the unabridged version of every story, every blow by blow of each other's day for three hours at the end of the evening. And so for a woman to be honoring of the man that she's partnered with, she's chosen to be with him and then not demanding that he attach with her in a way that's really foreign to him, such that he would be basically being inauthentic. Can she be more flexible in her understanding of attachment? Can she see intimacy in these other realms as opposed to it has to be the way that she has has it in her mind? This has got to be this way or else I feel I have no intimacy in this relationship. Yeah. Again, we brought this up several times in your episodes. Your boyfriend or your partner can't be your girlfriend. Yeah. And so if they have an avoidant personality, if they tend to be firstborn, neurotic, introverted, left brain, accountants, lawyers, things that are really in that form and mode of personality and temperament, not to expect him to be something he's not, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean he's not accountable for connecting with you and building intimacy and being fully known. It's just looking for more creative options and opportunities to get to know him. Um, Sometimes for those kind of guys, asking them to write something occasionally can be wonderful. He can probably write something if, you, if you're interested in something in his past or his childhood. Could you, could you write a one page for me so I understand more your family history and try to make it non-threatening and not like, oh, I'm going to now take this to a therapist or a psychoanalyst or something. <laughs> right. uh, sometimes a man can write some of those things out better than he can talk them out. So again, I'm not saying there's no chance for building intimacy or even oneness we'll talk about in a little bit with an avoidant personality or tendency or temperament. But there is ways to be creative and to be strategic and to understand. And once that chase, pursuit, deflection, dismissal process gets going, if it happens more than once where the securely or anxious attached woman senses that the man is starting to pull away, the avoidant attachment man is happening, and you pursue and pester and maybe even just plead or or get a little bit of a desperate position and he comes back and it's wonderful, I guarantee you it's going back out. Because he probably was doing something out of that sacrificial, I don't want to lose her. This is exactly what she needs. I'll do this. But that's not authentic. It's not who he is. And he's going to retreat again eventually soon. So you and I have talked about this many times. The instinct for our securely attached women who understand mind, body, spirit, alignment and congruence is to, my goodness, I'll just pursue and make sure he understands fully and knows everything about it. And it's the opposite. You just got to retreat and step back for a little bit. And if he doesn't come back, that answers your question. Right. He's not likely going to build the kind of attachment, whether it's secure or quasi-avoidant or avoidant anxious or somewhere in between. He's not likely going to give you the kind of attachment you need. Mm-hmm. So many women can be okay with an avoidant attachment man if he's providing many other areas of strength and mm-hmm. connection and provision and protection and, and find other attachments and other areas of intimacy she needs, not giving the man the night off or the year off or the decade off, but understanding those components. But to, to ask him to be completely something different mm-hmm. would be the same if he asked you mm-hmm. to be avoidant. 
and just be right. totally avoidant for the rest of this relationship. Well, you, you couldn't do it. Right. We have to honor the person that we've chosen to be in partnership with for who they are. I don't think it's a recipe for a happy relationship to have intentions of, well, he'll change, he'll come around. And then as we spoke to a moment ago, it could be, however, that someone's in partnership now and he did present a little differently. And once he got her, now he's kind of relaxed back to his maybe engineer mentality and he's gonna go and be busy on his computer and maybe not wooing her as much. And that I could see being uh, feeling very unfair for Absolutely. a woman who would think to herself, well, you presented as if you were much more interested in this emotional intimacy <laughs> that I desire. And yet here you are now that you've got me, you're fine to go play video games all day. I could see that being a, a real pain point. Yeah. And, and it's totally fair for her in timing, in the right way, in the right pace to bring up some of those challenging aspects about, hey, it looks like I've dropped in the priorities. Mm hmm. You know, it's one thing to get called to work and have to go work extra time. It's another thing to say, well, I got to go to the gym, hon. I can't see it till Saturday. Mm -hmm. Or I can't talk right now because I'm gardening. I mean, there's those are okay things, obviously, and good things. But if you have gone from being up in those top two or three to being like seven or eight, mm -hmm. and he's unwilling to flex or accommodate or move, it might be a good understanding that, okay, he's probably got some of this avoidant attachment issues by personality, temperament, woundedness, family of origin pain previous divorce, mm -hmm. uh, previous separations or um, adultery scenarios that have really wounded him, but he hasn't yep. learned how to express them or heal from them. It sounds harsh, but you need to make some type of critical evaluation assessment for yourself. Do I want to enter this dance and work yeah. through it? And, and some guys might come around well, others won't. Uh, and making those kind of regulative self-analysis, self-assessment, I'm willing to engage in this next step and see if we can learn this dance better. Or you know what? I don't think he's probably going to be capable of giving me what I need. And this could be true the other gender too. It could certainly For be sure. that way. For sure. But like like we say, most of my listeners are women. And so they're coming at it from that male-female perspective. And they're women who are looking to be in partnership with men. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive Insider Perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. So one of the things that I think Although it's frustrating for so many of my women, again, my community who have been dating longer than they wanted to, like myself, one of the powerful elements of being in the dating process, though, and, and this is why we always talk about this pacing. And so those first couple months until he's asked you to be exclusive, you're observing and you're not chasing. Absolutely not. You're letting him lead, letting him pursue. I'm sorry if that sounds old school, but it's science based. And you guys know my episodes with Dr. Welch, if you want to hear the science behind that. So we let him pursue. And that's for, for a woman, that's an empowered stance because I get to observe then. I get to see if he's driven, if he's motivated, if he pursues, if he goes after what he wants. When I was dating, I wanted to see that. Did he have that chutzpah and that drive? That was, that was a secure place for me to be. So when I started dating Dan and he would drive from Indiana to Chicago, yeah, he's going to do the work. He's coming. He's going to chase to get the prize. 
And I want to encourage women who sometimes, because we're we're communicators, and again, my community is a bunch of empowered women who go after what they want in other realms of life. We want to let the man demonstrate to us that he's worthy of our affection and our attention. And so when I think about avoidant attachment and I think about dating in general, we have the power position when we're dating to do exactly what you said, to see if he is going to be a fit for us. Once we're exclusive, then we can start saying, if we see that we've gone down the totem pole of priorities, then we can say, you know, I'm feeling that maybe our connection isn't a priority the way it was two months ago when you first asked me to be exclusive. And then we see what he does. We don't cajole, we don't coerce, we don't ultimatums. We we watch and we see who he's showing us that he is. And if it's not a fit, we have to have the strength to say, okay, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life upset that you're not the man that I want you to be. If you're not that man, I got to step away. Yeah. And so he might show the initial work and then not show the continued work. And so that's one of those hard things yeah. for your ladies. Like, wow, he was all in, did right. everything, showed all the things I need and then backs out. And the good thing about the avoidant temperament personalities, they tend to be more left brain, more introverted, more logical, rational thinkers, frontal cortex kind of guys in that mm-hmm. way. You can bring these things up in a very logical, sequential mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I would even encourage ladies to do even write it out. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, I'm just bringing this up. Try to be non-emotive and non-freak out and just say, hey, here's the things I'm seeing. These are concerns to me. You know, let's take time to work on these. I'm going to give you your space. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just be logical and rational and bring it up hysteronics that might feel good to release, mm-hmm. you know, ranting and raving and screaming and yelling and mm-hmm. blowing up his phone and everything else. It might help you get out some <laughs> cathartic pain, but it's going to yeah. make him withdraw even further. Yeah. I like that. Trying to present your concern in a manner from which he'll have ears to hear his language. Yeah. Right. And I think that's also empowered and that's what we can do as women to resonate in the fullness of our position. We can scream and cry and rant with our girlfriends. Sure, absolutely. Get that out if you need to. But when we come with that histrionics, and I agree with you, when we come that way, we lose power. And I know people resist the power play in relationships, but there's a power dance in every relationship. And after 30 years of marriage, you can, I'm sure, attest to the fact that you still have power plays in your marriage. And it's just part of the human dynamic. I remember in Professor Shea's class, Marriage and Family, which we both took years ago at Judson, that he talked about the law of least interest. Mm -hmm. And I think this really applies here. The person in the relationship who desires to continue the relationship the least has the most power. How this translates to this conversation is, even if I do have a lot of desire to keep this relationship continuing, I don't want to tip my hand, so to speak. I know that sounds like game playing. It's just using the laws of psychology, the way that we interact to make sure that we don't come off in a one down position, especially when we're still dating. If we do that, for reasons of, I just want to be real. I don't want to play games. Let me be authentic. We're going to lose power and status. And that's not going to draw him to us. And respect. And respect. Because these men who have these avoidant tendencies don't tend to respect people, male or female, hysteronics. They don't tend to respect the entire emotionality-based rational discussion, communication arguments. And so when we appear needy, to that kind of avoidant personality, it ends up hurting our position. Yep. And his desire to continue to pursue, 
because these avoidant men tend to really honor your independence and your strength and your individuation of both family and work or other things. They, they are drawn to that and then they kind of back out and then you come after them in a needy, desperate way and it actually hurts your position, though I totally understand. Yeah. And if you're already married, it's a little bit of a different game there because there's already the accountability and the commitment that needs to be addressed and, and you have more of a position or a right to, to go after that guy in a way that's a little more specific, maybe indirect. But I'm sure you even counsel your married couples. You counsel them to approach each other with respect and with a measured understanding. And we talk about those I statements when you're working on spreadsheets all day or when you're playing video games all day. I feel as if our connection isn't that important to you. I feel that you're putting work playing video games with your friends above me instead of you do this all the time and you do this all the time and you do and you're making me feel horrible and no one can make anyone feel anything, but we can respond and we have natural responses, but we have to own our emotional state, even in the context of marriage. Another way to, to bring those kind of confrontation conversations up is through these other intimacy forms rather yeah. than Honey, can you please come sit on the couch with me? I have some very difficult things to share with you for the next 20 minutes. Right. He already checked out. He's like, um, yeah. beep, 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 yeah. backing up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go outside and, and chop some firewood first <laughs> right. and I'll be back. But, but I mean, if you can, long car rides, great places mm-hmm. to bring up casual things in a soft way uh, with mm-hmm. your man about, hey, can we just talk about some of these things a little bit and get ask for permission without you know, submitting to a, a false front by him, but say, no, we don't want to talk about this. Because a lot of avoidant guys will just shut you out. Mm-hmm. And you start to bring up feelings or, or emotions. They'll say, we're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. Well, no one should have the power over you, even in a marriage, to say, we're not talking about right. something that you need to talk about. So right. those are other danger signals that are maybe a more profound, uh, deeper podcast on those kind of wounds. But my point is, again, trying to bring those conversations up in a way that fits his language, fits environment, fits an opportunity. And we're not asking the female here to do all the dancing and all the work. So just recognize when he's coming in willing to do that in any capacity, for him, that's dancing. Mm-hmm. That is moving and flexible, where for most of the ladies, that's just common everyday conversation. They could have that with anybody, anytime. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Let's look at some of the characteristics when we're talking about avoidant attachment, because I think most people know where we are and they're totally with us. But for anyone who's going, well, what does exactly look like? Have I been in a relationship with someone with avoidant attachment? So here are some thought patterns when dating. And these are from Dr. Welch's book, Love Factually, Attachment Style Dating Made Easier. So avoidant attachment thought patterns when dating look like and sound like, I like closeness, but at arm's length. I don't feel comfortable bearing my soul. 
I feel like my partners usually want more emotional intimacy than I can give. Relationships often feel like a power struggle between me and my partner's bottomless pit of need. I feel like my partners constantly demand that I put more into them and our connection. My partners complain that I'm emotionally unavailable. Sometimes relationships make me feel I'll lose myself and lose control over my emotions. And finally, I've been accused of nitpicking and finding fault as if I'm looking for an excuse to leave the relationship. I love those tangible, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, many of those two, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm normally tougher on the men than you are. So I'm not trying to get them off the hook here, but many of the men don't know how to do the things that are in that list. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to bear their soul. Mm -hmm. They often don't know how to have that connection. There's like a, a... a gap between what the head thinks and the heart feels and then how to be communicated. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with many men in, in premarital circumstances or early marital circumstances where their wife is really feeling that separation, that lack of emotional engagement, that lack of secure attachment, and they are truly lost. They don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was never modeled. Uh, many men don't get modeled uh, secure attachment or e- emotional congruence from their fathers or grandfathers. And so sometimes there's a lack of understanding what that looks like. Sometimes they've uh, had the marriages that are opposite or the relationship that are opposite. And those polar opposites make great chemistry, but difficult intimacy. So there's that spark and that wonderful tension of our opposites, but then try to, how do we meet in the middle to really have those conversations? So I talk in my premarital instruction all the time about you're really trying to train each other, not like dogs, but you're trying to tra- <laughs> train each other to understand each other's needs, understand each other's styles, and how to communicate in a way that meets both people. Mm-hmm. So in my experience with married couples, often the secure attached woman or the secure with some anxiety attachment, anxious attachment woman feels like she's better than her husband or mm-hmm. her boyfriend because of his lack of of ability to communicate his emotions or bear his soul or even want that closeness. And that puts us in a dangerous position as well, because then we feel superior in this area, even if he's super accomplished in his career field or somewhere else. So I, I ask women to look for attachments this man has in other areas. Look how loyal he is to work. Mm-hmm. That's an attachment. Mm-hmm. Look how dutiful he might be to his parents, even if he doesn't open up emotionally to his parents, but maybe he's willing to go over there all the time and take care of him and help around the house or mm-hmm. do things for his parents as they age. It might make her mad if he's not doting more attention to her. But at the same time, I'm trying to point out there are attachments here Mm -hmm. in other areas. Mm -hmm. They might not look like the attachment you want, but they still could be attachment. Sometimes these kind of men make these attachments um, more in the head space than the heart space. So their loyalty is by the commitment of the, the task or the job, not necessarily in the emotional connection, but we all have an emotional bonding piece of our attachment. So it's not that it's not there. It's that it doesn't know how to be expressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So sometimes a man who gives his, uh, his woman a, a card that says something in it that wasn't written by him, but says some really meaningful things in there is truly a profound expression for him. But the woman might want something he wrote or he had a poem or he did something super romantic and create a video and posted it online <laughs> and went viral. And that'd be all cool. But he did give you something that yeah. expressed some pretty significant emotion even if he went and got it at Walgreens two hours before the birthday, mm-hmm. it's still important. So trying to find those other attachments, those other strengths within the connection so that it's not like, well, he either completely changes who he is or we're done. Right. Even though that might be the decision she has to make anyway, 
It doesn't mean there's not room or other bondings. Now, if you find zero attachment anywhere, mm-hmm. then please don't think you're going to create it. He's bouncing around all different jobs, doesn't talk to siblings anymore, hates his parents, lived in nine different places. Mm-hmm. Then that kind of avoidant attachment track record is a lot different. Yeah, he sounds disengaged from pretty much any kind any of commitment. Yeah. Any commitment. And that's going to be a pattern that you need to take a look at. Of course, again, when you're dating, you're taking a look at these other facets of his life. How does he manage himself with family, with friends, with job? How does a woman decide and figure out if she she recognizes that he's emotionally unavailable to a degree and perhaps avoid an attachment? How does she figure out if this is something that, that can be worked on or if she should just Chuck it. Like, that's a really hard call. It's very I think. difficult. I think some of the matters we've talked about need to be done in a pretty specific way, intentional way. Looking at these other intimacy opportunities, let's create some bonds there, see how that mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. Bring some things to him in a pretty direct manner. Hey, this is what I see. This is what it's about without tons of emotional fanfare or, or accusational tone. Mm-hmm. See if he responds back out a little bit. See if he responds. So you're giving him opportunity to come back or to pursue or to hear your attachment need that you need it a little differently. Mm-hmm. And if he's not willing to bend or adjust at all and actually mm-hmm. takes on more responsibilities yeah. that he didn't have to away from you or yeah. comes up with more excuses or ghost you regularly, you know, once it gets beyond, I think most ladies have a natural sense, oh, this this is not where it needs to be. Yeah. And when you bring those things up and bring them up in the ways we talked about and then it still doesn't happen, I'm not sure how much more is needed. Mm-hmm. And another cycle you and I see all the time is the woman broke up with him. Mm-hmm. He shows some pursuit again. She gets back. She breaks mm-hmm. up with him again. Shows some pursuit, gets back. It's like that pattern again. She keeps waiting for that next step, mm-hmm. but he can only present to get mm-hmm. the catch. He can't present to keep the catch. Right. And I hate to put that as a catch for a woman, but you know what I mean? It could be yeah. either way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he'll do just enough to get her back. Yeah, many men will go into marriage doing just enough yeah. to be married and still don't have any idea how they truly feel and understand that intimacy connection or need. They're going to be avoiding attachment all the way into the marriage and beyond. And that's why that research from Dr. Donald Bauckham out of, I think it's UNC, he talks about maintaining high standards in dating and the research he's looking at longitudinal studies that people who do that, even when they're a little fearful, like, oh man, am I, they hear they're too picky. Like I heard, right. They hear that they must be expecting too much. Working with a couple who's been married for 20 years. I did the expectations uh, assessment with them. Okay, mm-hmm. please both go home. They've been married a long time. Yeah. He's very avoidant. She's very anxiously attached. It's mm-hmm. like textbook. Mm-hmm. I've only started working with them now, so I didn't work with them prior. So I don't mm-hmm. have any of the premarital foundation laid out or any of the connective work or marital oil changes going on, all those right, things. Right, right. <laughs> and so I asked them, this is so classic. I asked them, please go home and work on just, let's pick seven. Seven basic expectations. Yeah. She wrote beautiful stuff. You could have published it. <laughs> but I was watching him. I, I asked them to read it to each other. I watched him the whole time, not her. He didn't even look at her. Oh, no. And sometimes he's shaking his head back and forth. Other times he's smirking or rolling his eyes. And then when we were done with the list, I said, okay, your response to that, sir. And he talked about it and he actually gave it pretty good. Hey, those were fair. Those are pretty good. He goes, but I think I'm doing most of those in a general way. And she agreed. Yeah, you are. And then she focused on a couple specific ones. This is what I need differently. It was awesome. I was like, this is really going to go well. <laughs> we got to his list. He didn't write anything. And all he said was, just don't change me. Mm. And, and that 
though it was a, a nice commentary and it, it just explained again the difference, the gap. He didn't have any expectation for her, which she wanted. She right, wanted expectations. Right. I need you to do this. She would have loved it. She would jump forward. She would have put him into place the next day. Yeah. His only expectation was don't change me. I just thought it was a classic example of this avoidant, anxious attachment dance. And and they're already married and committed and they're, they're not looking for divorce. They're just trying to, let's figure this out. So they're not even one foot out the door. They're all the way in. They're just trying to work through this and understand that. And so we had to backpedal in there and create some other expectations, but it, it was it was a fascinating disclosure. Well, on the surface, it looks like he's like, babe, I love you just as you are. Just please don't try to change me. But it's really pretty passive aggressive. Absolutely. <laughs> because he's basically like, and all those things you want me to change. See, I would never ask you to change, mm-hmm. but yet you want me to change. I mean, that's that was really passive aggressive for the entire exercise to my mind. Yeah, and they... Both second marriages, both pretty traumatic backgrounds. There's all kinds of layers here. Mm-hmm. We were able to salvage that session in a reasonable way <laughs> and work through some other stuff. It was just a great reminder for me too. I had given an exercise completely in her ballpark, not in his. Mm-hmm. And so then I was able to shift and, and bring some stuff forward. And it's startling at times, even within a marriage, these separate perspectives and Two different realities. Absolutely. Completely (laughs) two different worlds. His story, her story, and then somewhere in the middle, there's the space between that is probably the truth. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. So I hear from a lot of women who... They will be with someone who avoid an attachment or emotionally unavailable. And personally, I was told by my ex-fiance in one of our knockdown drag out fights that I was emotionally unavailable. So my perspective is, is someone really emotionally unavailable or are they with the wrong person? Because if you're with the wrong person, even though you're trying to make it work, like I was for four years in this relationship, because he's a really good guy and there's nothing wrong here and why can't it work? I want it to work so badly. When you're trying that hard, but it's just not the right connection, might there be an element, something that looks like avoidant attachment style or emotional unavailability, but it's just the wrong person? Completely. Same thing with a work environment. Yeah. Your boss might have a great reputation and do really well to everyone else, but doesn't seem to manage you well. And you're like, mm-hmm. I'm doing good work. He or she does excellent work. Why can't we? It's just a, right. a misfit. Right. Uh, and how to recognize that again as well. Well, I think sometimes when you have that lack of peace, that lack of fullness, that lack of wholeness, these, I know it feels like metaphysical, but, I know. Yeah. but they're, they're trusting your instincts, especially for a woman or when you have a reasonable date, but you go home and you're like, something's just not yeah. right. I feel unfulfilled still trusting your instincts, trusting your mm-hmm. heart and not necessarily dumping them on the spot. Right. But Looking through those, that's why I think, again, for most women, making a list of what are my true expectations and needs here, and then whether you show it to him or not, assessing, well, how's he doing in these areas? That might sound crass and very logical and and list making, but Mm -hmm. that's his world anyway, most avoidant guys. So Mm -hmm. now you do have some avoidant guys are super emotional and deathly afraid of commitment. So they might be all in on all kinds of deep conversations <laughs> and all kinds of, yeah, babe, whatever, we'll do it for sure. And then can't remember to call you the next day. So mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like every single avoidant attachment guy is left brain stoic. Yeah. There's certainly the other side, which those commitment issues and 
they can give you all the heart and soul. They just can't put anything in, in cement. Mm-hmm. And what I hear sometimes, this was a theme that came up in the comment section of one of my posts recently. Several women saying, we were dating for years and years and he would never commit. We'd get so close and we'd talk about the future, but nothing ever, no brass tacks. And she finally leaves him because she's fed up. And then the next woman he's with, three months in, they're engaged. And she's like, ah, yeah. that's so unfair. And I, I think, yes, absolutely. And she's wondering, what did I do? Could I have handled that differently? Because I put in all that time, right? That sunk cost fallacy we mm-hmm. talk about in economics and that it plays out in relationships. I put in all that time, so it should have worked and I'll keep trying to make it work. But maybe it was nothing except that he finally met the right fit for him. It's not an indictment of her. Right. It might've been an indictment of the relationship, yeah. but that's not, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Just like someplace you leave the work, it's got a great reputation, does well, but you're like, it's just not right for me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean you're not a great worker or great mm-hmm. at your field. It just meant it wasn't right. But those are hard. And I do yeah. see many of those. Yeah. And then they think, you know, and I got them all ready for her. You know? yeah. Well, they like, probably did. They, they kind of <laughs> trained right. them up and I, ready to I, go. I trained yeah. him. I taught him everything he needs to know about being in a relationship. And then we're done. And Now, you know. if that happens to you two or three times in a row, then you got to look at who are you choosing? How are you choosing? Mm-hmm. Why are you choosing? And then maybe what patterns are coming at this in a one up or a, I'm going to train them. I'm going to protect them and, and embrace them in, in a way that's not equal. Because mm-hmm. that can happen too, where you're almost looking to mentor these guys yeah. and, and then you're bored. The fixer upper. Yeah. He may enjoy it at first, but then resent that you've taken a power position and that you've been putting a little spit and polish on who he is. And uh, you also may find, whether you're aware of it or not, that you don't like it when he's actually fixed up. You are now looking for your next challenge or your next project, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. And I think those are another indicators. How do I know if this is not likely the kind of attachment worth the extra pursuit, extra mm-hmm. cost value benefit analysis. If you're using language, well, I just need to fix him or mm-hmm. I just need to change him. Or if he would just do it my way, those are, those are all little statements. We, whether we say them out loud or not, mm-hmm. that give you good indication that this is not on an equal balance interdependence structure yet. Mm-hmm. It's very disrespectful when you think about it too. Yeah. Understandable. No, it's understandable because you see a lot of potential, right? Mm-hmm. They fall in love with this potential and you think, there's so much great stuff in this relationship and he's got all this to offer, but I just need to tweak and mold it just a little bit. But we're talking about grown up adults here and that's really not very honoring of the person that, that is he's presenting himself to be. It's another reason why intimacy has to be a graduation process. Mm-hmm. Because if we jump all in so fast and again, do it backwards, sexual, physical first, and then try to figure out the rest later, the deep bond's already connected. So we have this deep attachment, biological, physical, emotional, spiritual, and the other legwork hasn't been done yet. Mm-hmm. And then the guy has what he thinks he ultimately needs and can retreat a little bit because he's already had the grand prize in mm-hmm. his mind, or mm-hmm. even if he'd never say it that crassly, it just makes a whole different dynamic. And if you're building the intimacy slowly, it gives the avoidant man time to learn how to share in a way that fits you and learn how to connect and spend time and prioritize you know, a lot of classic guys have been single for 35, 40 years. They truly might think you are it, but they don't know how to do that yet. And so they have to build into it. And if you think it's great and it's wonderful, but come in so fast and so heavy, he's likely going to naturally retreat only for self-preservation. Yeah. And it strikes me that women cheat themselves of what they want, because we do know that there's a difference. Men tend to derive intimacy from the physical. 
So the classic is if a husband wants to have sex with his wife that night, be sure that he's giving her hugs throughout the day, giving her some attention, a quick phone call on their lunch break to kind of get her to feel that her emotional needs have been met so that she's receptive to the idea of sex that night. That's just a cliched example. But if we have sex too soon, he's getting his version of intimacy and you've offered it up. So, I mean, if you've offered that up, you've told him your need for intimacy is going to be offered up very readily without much effort on your part. Then later you're like, hey, but what about my need for talking and emotional connection? Like you said, we demonstrate the type of dynamics we would like in a relationship by virtue of how we interact with each other from that first date on. And so if you want that emotional intimacy, please don't just serve up the physical before that, that's that's sending a message for, for him to later go, well, I don't know. She seemed like the kind of chick who just liked to roll in the hay and that was good for her. It's not his fault because you never presented that you wanted anything other. And you could say, well, he should know. Should he? And ironically, both will assume the other do that all the time. So the guy is going to naturally assume if she was willing to have sex so fast that, well, she's done that with lots of other guys too. Right. So then he automatically starts to be avoiding anyway. Because he's like, well, that was easy. And mm-hmm. she, I wonder how many of the other dates she's just doing that. And she'll probably think the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I want anyway. Now, if he doesn't call me right away the next morning, I'm just out of my mind anxious. Mm-hmm. So both are preparing this unsteady, fragmented foundation. Not that it can't be restored, mm-hmm. reconciled, repair, but I think you just expressed it super well. Thank you. And it's based on the science of dating. So the dating research that shows that men are looking for fidelity. Not that any 27-year-old guys run around like, I'm looking for a faithful. He's not thinking that, but his biology has primed him to look for fidelity. If he gets sex too early, at a subconscious level, he's exactly what you said. She has sex very quickly with all kinds of guys. This is not a woman who will be faithful to me. And this goes back to the biology of the fact that if man has, if a woman has a baby, she knows that's her child because she went through the labor. A man doesn't always know if that's his. So we're, we're talking about these primordial mm-hmm. motivations that are at work, even though we're not back in caveman days, but they are still playing out. And so we want to use this understanding to make sure that we're getting the type of relationship in place that we want. And so for women, it doesn't serve us to give that up so readily, despite what the women's movement has taught us. I think they've sold us a lie that we can have sex like men and be perfectly fine and get the relationship that we want. And spiritually, the man is to protect and provide for his woman and to care for her and lead her. And if he gets everything so fast, he's going to look back and think, well, I didn't protect her. He might even feel like I used her a little bit, even if he wasn't intending to, even if there was nothing in his mind coming out in that negative way. But it can go into a psyche about that. Well, I didn't protect her very well. And then how am I going to protect her in these other ways? How can I lead her if I allow this to happen so quickly? So again, many times I think the women who are in this dance are feeling it's about them. And I don't think most time it is. However, she can help provide that space and that pacing especially if she senses that she's emotionally more congruent and talks way easier about her emotionality or, or, or verbosity. And you and I have talked about this before as well, that if the man's coming in wounded and he finally has a listening ear, he mm-hmm. might give you way more than he ever will again mm-hmm. in that initial mm-hmm. release. So I understand why you feel like you got tricked. It wasn't mm-hmm. tricked. You were safe. You were sweet and vulnerable and there and available and cared. And, and he needed that. And if you continue that, it might set that pace, but you might be so drawn to that go to the physical right away, and then all of a sudden this dynamic is completely switched. Yeah. 
Elliot, thanks so much as always for your time today and for sharing your wisdom and expertise on avoidant attachment styles. Let everyone know where to find you. On Instagram, you're at Pastor Elliot Anderson, two L's, two T's. And if you would like to schedule a session with Elliot, you can do so on loveandlifemedia.com. He offers sessions for couples and individuals. You can purchase those there. If your organization is looking for some relationship folks to come and talk about marriage, dating, parenting, all the things, we would love to join you. And we are for hire as speakers and as college professors. We really love chatting about all these really important and uh, meaningful facets of life and how to level up in love and life. So please reach out and let us know if you'd like us to join you and your organization. Elliot, thanks again. Any parting words for the listeners? Uh, No, thank you for covering the things I wouldn't remember anyway. So thank you for that. Uh, Just say a prayer blessing over your listeners. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to talk about a sensitive and difficult topic, avoiding attachment and the sometimes very challenging and hurtful processes and dynamics that are involved. So pray for all the listeners of Dr. Karen that they would feel encouraged, maybe challenged, maybe inspired, maybe some healing through our words today and some investigation and some exploration in their own life and patterns may develop more growth, more intimacy, more connection and some assertiveness to be able to make the right decisions they need uh, to grow the relationship or maybe to end the relationship. So we pray, Lord, for your blessing upon them. We thank you for this opportunity to share from our experience and understanding. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for the gift of relationships, the gift of love and the need and desire to be intimate and at one with you and with each other. Amen. Amen. Also, as we mentioned in the episode, Elliot and I have received a good number of questions from listeners, so he'll be back next week to answer these for you. Thank you, as always, for joining us today and for being a part of the Love and Life family. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson April, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.